everybody. Welcome to the Swim Dudes. Forgot what episode it is, but I'm Liam, and we're here with Seth. Um, we got a special guest today, a multiple-time state champion, record holder, NCAA champion, Big 12 champion, U.S. Olympic trial qualifier, World University Games um, athlete, Clay Enquist. Clay, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having yeah, me. man. It's, uh, it's fun. Okay, um... Well, first of all, I just want to talk about, um, like, what what are you up to right now? I mean, the coronavirus kind of hit us all pretty, uh, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that came sort of like out of, out of nowhere. Um, the past few years, I have been uh, coaching. Mm-hmm. I coach uh, for a pretty good-sized team on the east side of the state, Utica Shelby Swim Club, and um, – you know, just like everybody's, our season came to an absolute halt and it came out of nowhere. Um, you know, this year we were doing a huge team travel trip for my team. We we're taking like 20 kids down to sectionals and uh, let's just say some kids were heartbroken. Um, fortunately, uh, we were a team sort of like you guys that we were able to get uh, a focus meet out of the way. Um, so it wasn't the absolute worst. But, you know, I'm trying to make the best of this quarantine, you know, not only just obviously for myself, but mainly for my swimmers. So, you know, we are doing Zoom drylands. You know, we're taking the extra steps to make sure that we're staying, you know, active. I know if I was a swimmer, I don't I'm not sure exactly where my headspace would be, but I, I do know that I would understand that anything in regards to, you know, my stroke, anything that I've mastered. So not necessarily the new things that you're learning about or trying to master, but the things that you've already instilled into your stroke and that you do do on a daily basis, those things are going to come back really, really fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, all of us know how (laughs) September's can feel and they can, they can be pretty brutal, but I think we all got a pretty big September coming up. And uh, whenever that is, whether you're a coach or an athlete, I think you've just got to be really ready for that time to be able to attack it and have confidence with what you're doing. It is going to be different, but I think this is just a weird time that everybody's in the same boat. Um, But we will be getting back to the sport. So just got to be a part, whatever we can right now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely out of the blue, you know. I didn't even think of everything going online and social distancing and all that until the day before it happened. Because yeah. our spring break lined up perfectly with it. You know, as soon as we went online, that was our spring break anyway. Um, wow. And I didn't even know that it was going to happen until, like, the morning of or the day before. But So well, how long, or what are you guys doing right now in school? Are you guys all – it's all online right now? Yeah, yeah, it's all online. Just Zoom classes, Google Meet, Moodle, all that stuff. Does that make school easier or harder for you guys? It's kind of just based on whatever classes you have, whatever major you're doing. I mean, there's right. a lot of guys who I talk to and their workload is like twofold now. Uh, then there's like guys like me who some of my classes just physically don't line up with this whole electronic over Zoom stuff. So it just gets right. a little bit easier. Um, all all of my classes got easier, so I'm, I'm looking it up. (laughs) Yeah. Liam and I lucked out, but there's a lot of people who are like struggling, like, especially in the sciences, people who have like labs and things of that sort, it definitely gets harder. Yeah. Like group research and all that stuff. Yeah. But good deal. Um, okay, cool. Well, so one of the things that we wanted to do is kind of, um, dive down a little bit into your life. Um, it's not every day that we get a swimmer like you to come through here but um you know one of my first initial questions um was what was it like swimming um under your mother for um the Lakeview Club yeah no that's a great question um you know growing up when I was younger I will say it was definitely easier um as I got older and uh Obviously, as you get older, you start to get more committed to the sport. You start caring about it a little bit more. You know, a teenage guy living in the same house as his mom, who's also his coach, you can imagine that, you know, sometimes that doesn't work out the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were a great team, and we had to be because we were around each other 24-7. Um, 
but you know, we had a plan where it was like all social and all school stuff, like keep that away from the pool. We can't talk about it or bring it up. And to the best of our ability at home, we tried to keep the, anything swimming related, any types of talks like that. It was sort of like our time when we got home, like I'd like go to my room and like do like either homework and like have my own time, play video games, whatever, you know, she would decompress, but we would really try to like separate it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we did do a lot of cool things together. I mean, you know, she put me on the junior team and put me on some teams that, you know, gave me experiences that brought me to the next level. Um, You know, she was a, she was great at challenging me. I will tell you that the hardest, some of the hardest practices, it depends on who you are and what you would define as hard. But I guess some of the hardest practices I've ever done in my career were when I was 16, 17, swimming under my mom. Um, you know, t- things such as like 10, 500 IMs with a, with a start with a 200 fly. Oh gosh. Oh, we gosh. did that on all 10 to start with a 200 fly. We did that like once every few weeks. And um, <laughs> we did the minute man a lot in high school. That was yep. my favorite set ever. How far did and, you do? Uh, I would always do, I would always repeat the 500s. Uh-huh. And so I do four 500s in the middle okay. and then go back down to one and one. Okay. So I would do a 6,000 yard circuit. I would do it that way every single time. Would you guys do it as like a challenge set? Yeah. So what we did would, um, we would do, we, we split them up into hundreds. And so our Minuteman challenge was. Okay as many hundreds as you could do and we would wait like you do your hundred come in on the 56 or something and then you okay. wait the next minute um until the 56 and then just keep going and you'll go until the uh the hand got all the way back around to the top and that's when you were like fully done so you could be um you could be going for a really long time but like in high school we were you know we were wow. lower so it was it was a different well, challenge but yeah, it is a little bit different. I mean, I guess so that um, are you familiar with like, um, you know, I say Minuteman, like that's, you know, the owner of that name, <laughs> of the set, but I'm sure there's a lot of Minutemans out there. But um, this one was a little different. It was like a ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we would uh, we would do 100 on a minute, 100 on 130, 200 on two or 100 on 130, 100 on a minute, then 232 minute. 333 minute, 434 minute, 535 minute, 535 minute, 434 minute, all the way back down to one one. Totally different. So it's just, it plays with a lot of different um, carrying speed. Yeah. So the the 500s are brutal, huh? Do you think that helped you in your experience with um, your training from the 100 to the five and even the two in between? You know, sets that I, you know, sets that I know that either, you know, they're going to kick my ass or I'm going to kick it um, or sets that I would look at or Eddie would give me. And I'm just like, holy crap. Like, I don't know if I can, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure if I can do this. You're like, Here yeah, we, we know the feeling. And, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, a part of it is obviously, yes, what you're doing physically in the water, but you know, when it comes to training, a lot of it's mental training. And so, you know, when I, when you do a set and you do something, you know, way faster, way better than you ever thought you would, I think those types of, you know, things carry over into a meet a lot more because, you know, when you go to a meet and, you know, the, for instance, for example, like the first time, you know, I raced the big boys, I was like, the least confident in my racing that I've ever been in my life. since like the age of seven because I was thinking like, Oh, these guys are supposed to be me. Like these guys are supposed to be faster than me. And it's like, you know, it's a mental, it's a huge mental block that a lot of people see once they get to, you know, a certain level in swimming, you know, some people may see that like at high school, like, you know, I, you know, I'm sure there's a few kids that I've raced in high school that probably weren't ecstatic to be next to me. Um, and then at the same time, you know, if you reverse it, you know, 
think about how confidently or positively you can think on the other side. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to lose to this guy, you know? So, so what, what would you say was one of your, your hardest sets that you've give, been given, whether it was um, in college at Texas or by your mom or in high school? Liam said you trained alone in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, after my freshman year, I would do uh, my own workouts and like my own lane. Okay. Um, so the dynamic of the training, I got used to it my sophomore year. And then, um, you know, we were working at such an efficient pace that honestly, I just, I would just come in every day and just go into the zone. Um, but the hardest sets, um, I'm going to share a few, few interesting ones. One is not the hardest, but it's a set that we did at Texas every single year. Yeah. On New Year's Day, Eddie takes us to Salt Lake. It's this huge barbecue place. And we get all you can eat barbecue. And we see like how many plates you can eat. And then the next <laughs> and the next day, after we do our initial warm-up, our first like preset, as a team, we do 20 50s butterfly on 35. That's just true. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot about that one. Yeah, so we do 20 50s so. fly at 35. And the thing is weird. Like, I don't know how you guys do it, like how much breath holding stuff you do. But I'll tell you what, like numbers 10 through 20, like all felt the exact same. Like, you know, you're coming in, you're having like a second or two rest, but then you just like push off. It's sort of like if you do like a 50 underwater, mm-hmm. like that feeling you have at the turn end is practically the same at the finish. Yeah. Like it's, it's sort of like that. Um, in 2016, um, Michael McBroom, who's the former American record holder in the 800 meter freestyle NCAA champ in the mile. Um, Clark Smith, who I'm sure most people, everybody knows who Clark Smith is, uh, multi NCAA champion, uh, 500 record holder until Kieran Smith this past spring. But the three of us, we did five one hundreds on 58 followed by two easy fifties on a minute, five one hundreds on 56 followed by two easy fifties on a minute, five one hundreds on 54 250ZZ, 5100s on 52. And McBroom and I were like touch and go. We pretty much did just like a broken five on the last one. <laughs> Clark, yeah. Clark was hauling. He was holding like 50 points, 51s. Um, and uh, yeah, Clark Smith is one of the craziest trainers before. I watched him go 2200s one time on two minutes holding 147s. It was just like absolutely unreal. But, you know, I personally think that Kai is capable of going, you know, 405. He's been 408 a bunch, but I'm sure he's more than capable of going faster than that. It's been a few years. Um, so, who, uh, wait, real quick, who um, at UT, who is your training partner? You know, like at Hope College, mine is Will Benner. We always do IM sets together, stroke sets together. Right. Um, who was yours? My. You know, I had a bunch of different training partners over the years, actually, because, you know, I was there for five years. And um, the first few years, Dax and Hill, Dax Hill, he's like a six, six, nine, six, ten guy. He was NCAA champ my freshman year. I was fourth. And then um, so like he was my training partner freshman year. My sophomore year was 2013. That's actually when Ricky Barons came back to UT mm-hmm. he um after his college career he went and swam pro at USC under Salo for a year but he came back and so sophomore year my training partner was Ricky Barons and um, you know his walls were absolutely incredible like when we would train freestyle together say we we're doing 300s or 400s he would beat me up every single wall but then I would catch up to him on the freestyle and we were playing like cat and mouse all the time um <laughs> But my last few years, my training partners were Jack Conger and Clark Smith. Um, so, I mean, we would always be leading the lanes. Sometimes Eddie would stick Clark and I in one lane because people didn't want to swim in our waves. <laughs> and also, you can't fit in certain sets and certain distances. You know, if you have somebody like Clark, you know, myself or McBroom, somebody who's really strong in freestyle, you can't have three people in a lane or else that third person will get lapped, even if they're leaving 10 seconds back. 
You know, I've seen Clark pull. What are you doing, time? He pulled with a pull buoy. He went like a 917 and a thousand in practice. He is one of those guys who like was just as fast with a pull buoy or like something around their legs as they are normal swimming. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So, yeah, those were mainly my training partners. But, yeah, Clark Smith definitely uh, was the guy that everybody was chasing, you know. So, so what was it? What was it like switching from training alone to that? You know, what, like how long did it take for you to break your nervous shell? Like well, before, you know, I will say I think the only practice that I was ever nervous for was honestly like the very first one. I mean, if I knew we were doing something hard, that's a little different. But like, I remember the first practice at Texas, just walking out, you know, with my speedo on and just being like okay like what's gonna happen <laughs> like yeah. and you know I think it, you know when i first my first initial thought was like okay is this gonna be like way harder than what i'm used to like what's like i just had so many questions and you know mm-hmm. and so when i first started getting into it training i warm up i'll never forget because it's like you know it's 40 guys i'm like you know everybody on that team is pretty damn good and so everybody's just like cruising along, you know, we're doing like eight ones on 120 or eight ones and 115 with a snorkel and everybody's cruising like minutes, like it's nothing. <laughs> and so like, that's like really, that was really interesting at first. Um, but then I realized that, you know, thankfully, you know, my training in high school um, allowed me, you know, more than capable to handle anything at Texas. So I was able to, you know, set in really, really quick as a freshman and, you know, be one of our main trainers and main computers, which was really, really cool. And the, the one thing that happens every single year, you know, I swam at Eddie for five years, the freshmen change the team every year because the freshmen Mm -hmm. come in and they're always better. They're always faster every year. And they come in with different training techniques and they will piss the upperclassmen off. I mean, fine example of fre- the freshmen always getting better. Now I was on all freestyle relays my freshman, sophomore year. My junior, senior year, I was only on the eight free because, mm-hmm. you know, the up and comers, they're just, and it's great. I mean, on the, the, the freshmen can almost be the biggest leaders in a way. I don't know. Do you guys feel much of that at, at your team? We absolutely yeah. do. You know, there was this one set maybe I think a month or two into the season. And I'll be honest, off season, our upperclassmen aren't too, uh, too keen about club swimming. Um, and so, we, you know, we come into season pretty out of shape. Yeah. And this test set, I think the top 10 guys, except for like Daniel Keith, were all freshmen. Okay. And then the last half of the list was all the upperclassmen and the freshmen were so high and mighty like oh you know we're gonna take over all their a relays and stuff and then once our mid-season meet hit then everybody was back in shape yeah. yeah it was crazy this year especially we had 15 guys come in which uh, i think at the time we had like 16 or 17 dudes that weren't coming in yeah and so uh it, it was just crazy to have them there and then you're right i mean it does change i remember the, yeah, like Liam said, yeah. the first couple of months were just all right. These guys are here. They they work hard. Some of them I've I've never seen somebody who's worked harder. Yep. And it was just it was kind of a big slap in the face. It was like all right, you better be ready. But oh yeah, I mean God, I can't even tell you the amount of times that you know you know you guys talk about you you mentioned something about relays like the freshman taking over the relays. Yeah, Dude, that's like something that like we don't even like talk about because that could like 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 for instance like you don't talk about like scholarships either it's sort of yep. like something that you just keep hidden but you know there's a lot of uh friendly rivalries that can you know come about in a team when you're into college athletics so <laughs> it's for sure. i think it's that, that's funny you say that because i think especially at hope you know being a d3 school i think it's 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 way more verbal because yeah. you know every day morning noon and night we're talking about all right who's gonna be on the relay going to nationals who's gonna be on the relay at 
um, you know, conferences. Yeah. And it's just like, like people will tell, like I've, these freshmen are really savage too. They'll tell people straight up to their face, like, no, you're not fast enough. Like I'm going to, I'm way faster than you. I'll be on that relay. <laughs> JT specifically. And it's just, it's crazy. You sit there and you, you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's crazy that it's just kind of a, an, an unspoken thing that you just don't talk. about. Yeah. Well, I will say like, you know, and I, I definitely, you know, in regards to this relay thing, you know, this is not, this is something that I learned obviously when I was on a team, a team that, you know, I was on the bench for some of the relays. So um, it is all about, it's political and it's whoever's on fire. Like there's like no telling who will be on that relay until that weekend, you know? That's sort of what I tell my kids because, you know, I I coach at a club with 300 kids and, you know, they talk about relays at state, blah, 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 blah. And I'm always, I always tell them like, guys, like we will not know until the day of the relay. So like take care of yourself, do the best you can, but you know, you can't control what other people are going to do, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, like Eddie Reese, just his history of coaching, um, like so much experience there and being able to make the decision. Like one thing that comes right to mind is I was just watching the video of the 2004 400 freestyle relay. Um, You know, Michael Phelps hadn't swam any 100 freestyles Mm -hmm. at all. And so the entire relay, except for him, didn't think that he should be on it. But Eddie Reese still put him on the relay just because he was on fire. You know, he had all the gold medals. um, 100%. And the US, I mean, um, you know, you guys, you know, in your intro – it's funny. Um, here's how here's how political it is. So my first mini story would be in 2013 NCAA's. Eddie Reese and Chris Kubik interviewed like five guys, and they interviewed them on whether or not they should anchor or uh, lead off a foreigner free relay on the last night. So they they called us over like one by one, and they're like, Clay, like, like, what do you think you can go on this? And I just like threw out mm-hmm. some like crazy time. <laughs> like, I didn't come anywhere close to it, but <laughs> I threw out some like crazy time. And they're like, "Okay, that's all I needed to know." And I like walked away, and like the next guy goes over, like says blah blah, blah. and they're like, "Clay, you're leading off the relay." I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I got that one." And then, um, but no, in 2015, when I was uh, traveling for swimming. Um, I went my best time at finals at World University Games for silver. I was like a 147 high. Went a best time there. Okay. Then I went to um, a few training camps and then went to Worlds because I was a really alternate for um, World Championships in Kazan, Russia that summer. I went there day one or two. I think it was day, yeah, day two. The men's 400 freestyle relay. Um you know, I don't know where this podcast is going. I got to watch what I say. But um, <laughs> the men's foreign field, let's just say they put, okay, this is how I can put it in perspective. For the first time ever, that foreign freestyle really did not make the A final. They were 10th yep. after, pre, after prelims. So they literally left me off the relay, even though I went my best time. Um, like Anthony Urban went like a 50.4. He like stopped moving in between the flags. It was sort of crazy. But um, so they were like really skeptical, skeptical about the eight free relay. So they left me off, even though the other guys that were on it all were 147s. Yeah. So they left me off and the and Dave Durden. We were I was in his hotel room because like I mean this is some serious shit. Like you know, you're taking yeah. you're in Russia with the athletes, but yeah. So they left me off, um, and the main reason is because at World University Games, my relay time wasn't very good. Um, it was like a 48 high, mainly because I didn't take care of myself after my finals. And um, so yeah, they left me off of this. That was a bummer. But yeah, so relays can get really political, um, but. Dave Durden put it best. He's like, this is what I think is best for Team USA, and you need to do what's best for Team USA. And I said, okay, I can't really argue with that. And I uh, pretty much left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, but yeah. That is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. So relays are uh, are really weird and political. Well, shoot. Maybe we should just make a transition. Just new topic. New topic. Yeah. <laughs> no, fine. Um, Good summer. <laughs> so what what brought you to Texas? Um. Like what were you? I mean, you were recruited, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So who did most of the recruiting? No, I don't. I'm not sure what was like the biggest thing. I think, you know. Obviously, growing up as a kid, the only attachment you have to that level of swimming is the Olympics, right? So, like, when I'm a child and I'm watching, you know, like, I remember, I don't remember it, but, like, we went to the 1996 Olympic trials when I was, like, four. I, like, barely, Mm -hmm. like, maybe. But anyways, you know, growing up, you see certain schools. Like, you see Texas and Arizona. And, like, when Frank Bush was still at Arizona when they won both NC titles in 2008 – you know, you just see these programs and you start to sort of just like envision yourself going there. And I think when I was a kid, you know, I used to say like, oh, I want to swim for Texas. Like as a little kid and my sisters would be like, Clay, like you're not fast enough. Like you have to be really fast. To go there. <laughs> I'd be like, well, you never know. Like, but yeah, then, you know, the recruiting yeah, is just like crazy. Like, you know, these 16, 17 year olds. You know, I didn't think you have no idea what you're getting into. Um, fortunately for me, you know, all the schools I was looking at, anywhere I would have gone would have been, you know, a great fit. But when it came down to it, um, the legacy of like the 200 freestyle is just, I don't know, it's, it's pretty unreal. Um, we, we have had a swimmer in the A final at the men's and civilly championships in the 200 freestyle since 1996, I think. We've had some in the A final. So luckily, Dax passed that on to me, and then I passed it on to Townley, and Townley will pass it off to Kibler and just keep it going. And the same thing is actually true for the eight free relay at the Olympics. So that was a big thing, and I really just could not say no to Eddie. He was probably the uh, – not probably. He was the least pushy. Um, you know, I had some people just call me nonstop. I had, you know, Eddie, the first words he ever said to me were about, like, fishing or hunting or something. And, like, I don't fish or hunt, but it was just, like, he just strolled in. Like, we didn't even talk about swimming, I think, at all the first time he ever called me. Like we barely even, I, yeah, we barely touched on swimming, you know, and then you, I've had other coaches who, uh, you know, I took recruiting trips too, and I've had to tell them no. And they screamed at me through the phone telling me I've made the wrong decision, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all said and done, um, I would have never made a different decision, but I think it was more so just like a childhood dream that needed to be fulfilled. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, you, you talked about that um, the two hundred freestyle legacy of Texas, and I was just doing some browsing on the interwebs, and I saw that three of the four relay legs at the two thousand Olympics, um, those swimmers for the U.S. were from Texas, except for Cleet Keller at two thousand. Yeah, in two thousand, three of the four who swam who, who were they? Texas. Nate um, using. Scott Goldlatt, Josh Davis, Josh Davis. Oh, that's a different era. Oh, yeah. Josh Davis was a beast. I mean, Jamie Roush was a beast too. What was the last one? Um, Scott Goldlatt. Goldlatt. I don't know that one, but yeah. So, but yeah. So the two hundred free. The only other one. Um, I don't know if you guys have. Do you guys know who Simon Burnett is? Yeah, so he was at Arizona under Frank Bush, and it's like I was really, really close to going to Arizona, but thank God I didn't because Frank Bush took over the USA swimming job my freshman year. My best, One of my best friends, Kevin Cordes, went there, and he had three different head coaches over his college career. Yeah, was, and then, yeah, not to, like, put sore wounds in Arizona, but, like, dude, they had, like, 
less than 10 points, like 10 points and C's, I think a few years ago. Yeah. It's just like, man, but they're coming. I, they'll be there. They're in a great conference. Um, Chitwood does an amazing job. Um, Augie's there. They'll be good. Yeah. So one of the things that drew me and I'm guessing Liam too, to hope was like, we have just such like a, a long standing line of family of these guys who have swam before us. Like Liam just rattled off some of those names and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like is, is Texas just like a strong knit, like family bond? Like, you guys keep in contact with each other no matter if it's like 10 15 year difference yeah like um you know when you're just like you guys are doing now you know when you're around your teammates as much as you guys are and then you you know you say you're, you graduate from school and move away like those guys know you better than anybody else in the world so you know mm-hmm. for instance two of my buddies from college who I swam with they came up and they flew up to Michigan this summer and visited me for like a long weekend and you know you pick up the phone and like you know you can talk to these teammates that you have right now like you may not talk to them for a year but you can just pick up and talk to them like you know like it's nothing um but yeah in regards to the actual like inner team yes uh Eddie actually like has alumni come in all the time and like talk and have like meetings with us. Like, you know, Hill Taylor, who's like famous for that viral 50 meter underwater kick. Um, <laughs> he came in and talked to us about streamline dolphin kicking specifically and like where the undulation starts and like how it, you know, gradually builds as you go down your, to your toes and like what your head position should be doing. And like, you know, you know, they come in and they, they talk to us and like even freaking people who won NCAA championships back in the eighties, they come in and talk to us. And then one night during our, um, <clears throat> not hazing, but welcome week, you know, what, the one night that we don't do anything, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to not say too much, but we do a scavenger hunt and we like include the alumni, like, all right, you need you have to steal Ricky Barron's pillows from his bedroom, like shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so and then you know, the last night of Welcome Week, there's actually a really big um party that all alumni come back for. Yeah. I won't say I won't say any more than that. Okay. But yeah, so it's definitely a family, you know, NCs a lot of people travel to. I uh since my first NCs as a swimmer in 2012, I only didn't go to one of them, which was my first year out. Yeah, 2016. I didn't go to that mm-hmm. one because I was training. But other than that, like the last few years, like, you know, I, I traveled down to Austin. There was a huge reunion down there. You can only imagine how many people went to that NCs when I was at Austin. Like I flew to Minnesota, got an Airbnb with a bunch of old teammates, like in St. Paul. And, like we were all there cheering on our team. Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah, you you're gonna have these friends forever, man. And um, I mean, shit. Like when I get done with this podcast, I'm gonna be getting on the Xbox and playing Call of Duty with some old teammates. That's literally what I'm gonna be doing. <laughs> yeah. So, and they all play them. Like everybody, everybody plays. That's so cool. Video games has been like the the new way to keep in touch with like everybody else without having to like deal with all the BS and just still be able to entertain. Yeah, it's casual. It's not like a stand up phone yeah. call or like yeah, it's just something somewhere you can hang out and just talk with old friends. Yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. Cool. So. What was your, well, here, at Hope College, you know, we have quite a few rivalries, our biggest one being mm-hmm. Kalamazoo, and personally, in the past two years, um, being a swimmer there, my most fun meet experience was at my freshman year um, Kalamazoo dual meet, you know, it, we were training, or we were swimming in a 
really crappy six lane 25 yard yeah, no cooldown pool dog, um, dog crap yeah you know it's i mean it's not the best situation at all for swimming but just the energy on the pool deck awesome. was unmatched what was your most fun dual meet experience in your Ooh, team? that's a good question um hmm. favorite dual meet experience um we did it three years there's a i mean there's a few times that i'm definitely remembering right now but um so do you have you guys ever heard of the Eddie Reese invite? <laughs> yeah. Oh, have we? Yeah. All over I look forward to the, the YouTube video every year. <laughs> so we do the Eddie Reese invite. So obviously, you know, when you're flying across the country to have dual meets with these other teams, you know, you get there the day early or whatever, you, you try to turn it into more swimming. So a lot of the times when we travel, yeah. we would do Eddie Reese invites. Um either the day before the meet or the day after. And there was a few Eddie Reese invites where like everybody did the 100 IM, like everybody. So we did it at the tri-meet one year with Michigan and Indiana. And so we finished yeah. the Eddie Reese invite where there was like, I mean, there was like 18 heats or something. And you had every single swimmer from Texas, Cal, and Indiana seated racing in 100 IMs and it was nutty like it was so nuts and it was so fun um and that was at Indiana I'll never forget that um the other one time when we went to Arizona it was like a downpour in our dual meet and that sucked that was my slowest (laughs) dual meet ever in my career because it was just so cold like we we were like, this is like, we flew all the way over here to have a meet in the, in the pouring rain. Um, but, yeah. and then other than that, um, Georgia is like our closest friends. Like if I had to pick like, you know, a team, I would say we're most similar like Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Bowerly and Eddie are best friends. And um, we would go to Auburn. We would fly to, we'd fly to Atlanta, drive to Auburn swim Auburn and then we would drive to Athens stay the night in Athens Georgia have a day off Jack and Eddie would either go like fishing or hunting well the two teams just practiced that day and then we swam Georgia the next day and then we flew back home that me that weekend was always super fun um yeah, yeah. but nothing one one that really pissed me off, my freshman year, we went and swam Michigan and Indiana in the tri-meet. We did the Eddie Reese invite on day one, and Eddie was like, you guys better fucking take this seriously. He didn't say fucking. He doesn't swear. But he's like, you guys better take this seriously. Like, you guys need to go all out, blah, blah, blah. We, like, yeah, swam lights out. Michigan swam, like, one or maybe two events, and they did, like, off events. They came in the next day, like mm-hmm. self tapered, and beat us by one point. And our seniors were like losing oh. it. Like Jimmy Fegan and Jackson Wilcox were seniors on the team at the time. And like halfway through the meet, they're like, "If you guys don't pick this up, like we're gonna lose." Like, but like they were like going nuts. And I was a freshman, and this is fall. Like I just joined the team, and I was like, I was like "What is going oh, on?" God. I had like a cheering section because the meet was in Ann Arbor. <laughs> But yeah, so I would. That's yeah. hilarious. So that's a few experiences. Yeah, was there, we, uh, was we had there a time? similar one to your Arizona, um, where it rained. You know, we were down in Florida yeah. for a training trip last year, and you know, most I, I'm going to say most of NCAA swimming is short course yards, but for some reason, we swam a meet down there in long course meters, but it was this pool that did not have blocks or a timing system or any officials. Didn't have, yeah. And it was pouring rain the whole day. It was probably like 59 degrees plus wind plus ice chilling rain. And we had to swim this meet and it was just so unbearable. Um, Yeah, not fun at all. I mean, Florida was great, but that that experience was no fun. Um, Do you guys know the name Eric Solis? 
Yeah, he's from Holland. He so, swam yeah. at Zona. That was like the one time. Or, did you say that meet had no officials? <laughs> well, so like Jake yeah, was no an, Jake <laughs> is technically an official, and then I think the other the other team coach was also an official, and so we had like okay. one and a half. <laughs> it worked. I mean, we just they just did like. They... It was just enough to cover their butts, so that we said that we had a a, a meet while we were down there to um to apply right. the, like the guidelines. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, there was no starting block, so you just started from the gutter. <laughs> like they guppy. just did whistles and stopwatches. Oh I swam like a hundred IM in a long course pool. So there are people switching at the not so half. half oh, dude, point. I can. Oh, that I was... can picture it now. I've coached country club swimming like the past few years or past few summers. And oh, yeah. like, for instance, like we'll have a meet where like their starter will die. And then the official has to use a whistle to like start the kids. Like it turns into like circus. Yeah, no, it felt <laughs> like a country club meet. But, you know, we're all year olds, a bunch of older guys. Um. You know, like, I'm not going to say which coach on the pool deck was saying it, but they were saying it was basically like an F you to the NCAA for making us swim a meet right. um, to train. Because, I mean, that's one of the NCAA rules. You have to swim a meet if you travel more than, like, 300 miles. Wait, per really? Train. No yeah. way. Yeah. What is that supposed to do? Yeah. That might – I wonder if that's just a – I wonder if that's just a D three rule then. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just maybe it's supposed to justify spending okay. yeah. that much money. Yeah, but we have to do some sort of like scrimmage type deal. Yeah, like we could we could travel to Indianapolis and not worry about it, but we can't travel to like gotcha. I don't know Louisville. Yeah, what I mean. Okay, I've I've got a question for you, Clay. Um, oh wait, that this was way far. Okay. Do you know anybody on like the Team Fury? Team Fury thing. I I I remember seeing this back in uh, on um, the class relays that they do every year. It was like the only class to ever go through. Um, I think they graduated in like seven or eight, and they uh, they won every year all the Ooh, class relays. Wait, team, like what that. is it? Team Fury. Fury. Yeah. And this is <laughs> Is this a class like a like an age group? Is that what you're saying? I don't I don't understand what Team Fury is. My bad. No, it, uh, oh man, how do I explain? It it just came up on one of the uh the the YouTube videos. Okay. Like they um, they called themselves Team Fury. Oh. Are they younger than me? Yeah. Or no, older than you. They would have been. I'm gonna have to look this up though. Did you find it on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll send the link later. But speaking of class relays, though, um, for some reason, when you're like racing your teammates and you're mm-hmm. like putting on tech suits and going all out, I don't know what magic there is at class relays, <laughs> but like. We would not sit with the other classes at lunch that day. Like we would like yeah. segregate all day and like talk shit to each other all day. And uh it was a, <laughs> it was amazing how fast you could go at something like class relays. I think everybody should do that kind of stuff. Yeah, we we do it sort of. We do it during meets though. Jake's really he loves just you know spending the time that we have in the pool to actually do quality sets and whatnot. Right. So we don't really get that time. But, I mean, it seems like Eddie does a lot of that kind of stuff where it's just seeing how fast you can go and throw a suit on. Eddie's training is um, is pretty simple in regards to, you know, you're going to get out the work that you put in. Um, you know, we don't ever write anything on a board. It's all comes out of Eddie's mouth, the sets that we're doing. So as you can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, our sets aren't super complicated. But, you know, I don't think it – you can keep things simpler than you think. Mm-hmm. It's all about effort, man. Dang. But I, it sort of grinds my gears when I'll see like a coach write a workout that has like 20 different things going on. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what can you grasp onto, you know? Yeah. 
that's that's I hear a lot of uh, like sets of Cal or like that. You know, they're, they're the most technical the, team in the country. So you know, I'll give them that. Like Cal's our rival, yeah. just obvious reasons. Um, but like you know, nobody in the country is more technically sound than Cal is. They're you know their technique and their turns and breakouts and you know every single kid on that team understands that importance and they focus a lot of time on it and other teams don't focus a lot of time on it and um you know so well yeah you know they have they have a great um great freestyle legacy and at to to drop so much time from a 192 to like an 184 um it's really just kind of technique the details yeah, and then I don't yeah, even know how you go 17-6. It makes sense that they do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is just like a whole nother level. It's going to be absolutely amazing to see how long that that record stands. You know, Cesar Cielo went 18-4 back in like the mid-2000s, which was unheard which was- of, and it was also in a full bodysuit. And now yeah. I bet you that actually doesn't stay up as long as um, as long as we might think. You know, there's a lot of I was just looking on some swim. There's a couple of people in the class of 2021 for high school that are already at like 19.4, 19.5 in the 50. And who's to say that they don't go like yeah. 18.7 after their next Ryan year, Hoffer, you know? who swims at Cal, he was like a 19.2 and like a 41 in the 100 out of high school, kicks 15 meters off every yeah. wall. He has in- incredible underwaters. Just, yeah, he has incredible yeah. underwaters. Um, yeah. So what else you guys got? Any other – what else? What other questions you guys got? Yeah, so what's it like transitioning from swimming to coaching now? I mean, you uh, you went to the trials – came up a little short what you know how do you change from that just initially like me being like graduated now it's hard to just transition your life into something completely different without swimming alone but yeah now coaching side um you know the biggest thing I guess is you know when I first started coaching it was sort of just like understanding like what the kids like needed. And um, you really got to think about like the development of the entire season, you know, like, um, you know, how do I best explain this? Um, like when I was a swimmer, I was just trying to perfect everything that I possibly could at the same, at, at that exact moment, at that practice. So when you're a coach, you can't, if you want to have like the greatest results, on that day compared to I'm doing a horrible job explaining this. If if you want to do like, if you really, you can't think short-term gratification. That's what I'm trying to, I guess, explain. Um, And in swimming, I took as a swimmer, I took it day by day by day. But as a coach, you like look at it much more, you know, long-term and like what needs to be worked on, what needs to be improved. And so like it is, a way different sport on this side of the thing, on this side of things. Um, it's actually really fun and challenging um, and competitive in its own way. Um, and I almost want to say it's much more rewarding on the coaches side of things because, you know, we're writing all the workouts, we're seeing what you guys do in practice. And, um, you know, you as a swimmer, more so when you're like growing up as a kid and you're getting like faster every week, you know, like you understand you're getting faster, but I think it's much easier as a coach to see the improvements um, on a swimmer than it is for the swimmer to actually self-reflect and realize that for themselves, which is, you know, really, really interesting. Um, The thing is too, that I like about coaching, you know, I always think about thinking back to when I was swimming and, you know, what I would want my coach to do. And it's like, you know, my kids ask me, so many questions that just like, you know, go into these different categories, areas or things that, you know, I can now explain with them and share with them. But if it wasn't for the question that they asked or brought that up, I never would have like thought of it or like told them to. So, you know, as a coach, the kids commitment levels 
really help you as a coach because if the kids are committed and like really getting involved, it makes it a lot easier to for the coach to do its job and getting that summer ready. Um, but you know, the first year or so, I was just sort of finding the place. It was, you know, I will be honest with you, you know, the first year of coaching, I was like, why the fuck am I coaching? I should still be swimming. You know, like, you know, everybody knows, you know, if you really, if you're financially able to, like you could swim until, I don't know, I would say 27, 28 is probably when guys start, you know, losing some of their endurance and stuff. But um, where was I going with this? But yeah, no, the coaching is, um, it's super, super cool. I would say, you know, I use the skills and my knowledge of the sport on a daily basis, way more so than I was a swimmer, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to yeah. think about a lot of that other stuff. You know, I came into practice, I knew Eddie or I knew my mom, you know, had everything in set already. All I had to do was just turn as purple as I possibly could and kill everybody. Yeah. That's all I had to do. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so the coaching is, uh, and, it, and it's great too, because, you know, they say find something you enjoy. I really, really enjoy it. So like, I enjoy going to work and every day and, you know, my kids, I had this, uh, I had this 14 year old boy. He just turned 14. He's like a hundred pounds and he went 154 in the 200 free this year. And it was like out of this world swim. And it was so cool. So, so yeah, been good. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, so like after you, after mm-hmm. you, after you retired from swimming, have you been doing anything else to stay fit, stay active, like triathlons or running or like are yes. you that swimmer that hates running like me? Yeah, yeah. Or, no, I don't. I can count on both hands how many times I've like gone out for a run. <laughs> um, you know when I when I initially stopped, I guess. It's been hot and cold. It's so weird when you are committed to like a sport, like something that you stay in shape for and like something that's so honest, like when you're doing times that like you sort of have to stay in shape for, you know, Um, like now it's, it's so weird because, you know, I'm being an adult, you literally just obviously stay fit for, to be healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're grinding four hours plus every single day, and then you don't have to do that anymore. Let's just say I've really enjoyed not having to go to practice every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, to answer your question a little bit clearer, clearer, uh, I just sort of watch what I eat some, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in great sh- yeah. shape to say the least, but I can still swim some freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> like every now and then yeah. I'll get in with my kids and like some, some free and, you know, stroke feels still feels good. Muscles don't feel good, but the stroke still feels good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit lower. A little bit. Oh, hopefully I'll be doing the same thing. You know, I, I hate yeah. anything on the land. Uh, yeah. The so I will say though, it is really refreshing to get in and swim, but for about 30 or 40 minutes and then I'm good because then it's like all right this is turning into something else (laughs) yeah yeah all right well last question for you what was it like to uh to beat michael phelps (laughs) uh i mean it's it's pretty it's sort of cool i mean not gonna lie um and one time when I beat Phelps, we actually won me, Clark Smith, and Tomley Haas. We actually were uh-huh. one, two, three. And Phelps was fourth. And Eddie was like, nobody has ever done that to Phelps. Like, no team has ever one, had two, three yeah. guys that beat Phelps, like, in any race. Like, I don't know. It's not like it was a crazy important meet. But the first time that I ever um, beat him was, like, back in, like, 13 or 14 at a set of Clara Grand Prix. It was like the first yeah. time I ever raced those guys too. That was, um, that was sort of 
crazy. Uh, I had the number one seed after prelims. I was like a 48 in the 200. And um, Yannick Agnell was at that meet. And he was the Olympic champion in 2012 at 143 in meters. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and yeah. a jammer. Yeah. yeah so awesome. he comes into the ready room and he's like, Who went 148 this morning? He's like talking a huge French accent. And Dwyer and Phelps like point over to me and he comes over to me <laughs> and he's like, he's like, hi. He's like, nice swim this morning. But then he was like, he's like, uh, get ready for tonight. It will go by fast. <laughs> he said it'll go by fast. And then dude, like Connor and shit's just like sort of chuckling. Like they're like laughing, but oh. yeah. So I mean, it it's cool. I mean, Phelps is um, he's great for like our sport. You know, he uh, he's done a lot, and as he's gotten older, he's gotten more um, social with his competitors and everything else. So, um, you know that that was one thing that was just like super cool about being on the A team in 2015. You know, you get to hang out with you know these athletes that you've looked up to forever. So I mean, you know, I went to a training camp in Italy for two weeks with Dwyer and Fegan for two weeks. We just like hung out with them for two weeks. We literally ate Italian food and swam next to the ocean, and it was like super super cool. So experiences like that. Um, make it a lot easier to think about the times that either I didn't make the Olympic team or et cetera, but a lot, a lot of cool experiences. You never know where something may take you. Absolutely. That's pretty sweet. So you, uh, you said you were going to play oh, yeah. Call of Duty after this. Were you uh, oh, a yeah. gamer when you were in high school? Oh, uh, which COD is my which, favorite? Which one's your favorite? Probably like COD 4 or Modern Warfare yeah. 2. Like back in like the 2007 to oh, 2010 absolutely. era, yeah. Classic, always yeah. Ruster yeah. on uh, shipment. Yeah, quick scoping yeah. matches. Because yeah, I mean, I God, in high school, video games was like my thing. You know, I, I you know, I fooled around every now yes. and then, but you know, when I when I wanted to swim fast. I wasn't I wasn't fooling around. So video games was a nice thing to pass the time. <laughs> so um but dude, uh yeah, this has been really, really cool. Um well I need to come visit you guys, honestly. I yeah, that'd be hope awesome, to, dude. I think a lot a of people place. would benefit. Yeah, we'd I'd come in and uh Maybe we could do like a little uh, freestyle and turn clinic thing or something. I I, I bet you money that uh, like some of the like half the girls team and maybe a little bit of the guys team be like, who's that? <laughs> and just be like, just be like, just super <laughs> egotistic and be like, why? Is <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, who knows? But I am. It is funny. It's sort of a blessing in disguise. Um, I can sort of fly under the radar a little bit. Sometimes I can't, but, uh, like, you know, I didn't make the Olympic team. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like, sometimes I'll well, be like around a pool is one of the or no, I'll be like talking to somebody and people have no idea, like who I am. And it's, it's great. Cause yeah. then I don't have to deal with it. Uh-huh. I don't. Swimming is one of the most like unidentifiable sports. Yeah. There is. Like, unless you're Michael Phelps, people really don't know. Yeah, unless you get a gold medal at the Olympics and you're on TV with your goggles off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless you're on Sports yeah. Illustrated or pretty on much, yeah. pretty much. So, it's been great. Well, Clay, dude, thank you for coming on to the podcast. This is awesome. And uh, we wish you luck with all the coaching and whatever you yeah, got. You guys too, man. Wherever you're going. And we hope to see you out in Holland soon and look forward to it. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for coming, man. Hopefully, you know, we get through yeah, this time. So. And once the lockdown's over, yeah, I'd love to make my way to Holland. I grew up in Zealand, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and very familiar with that area. I love that area. Oh, yeah. It's hard not so, to. 
well yeah well you guys yeah stay safe stay healthy and uh get after it once you guys get back in the pool yeah we'll do all right guys cheers yeah, we'll do it